Okay, guys. Well, we're about to jump into it. So, hey, if you want to take out your phone, your iPad, or whatever you have, and you'd like to follow along with the message today, you can scan the QR code, any of the screens right there, you can get today's um, message. But I just want to say thank you guys for being here. And thank you guys, if you're, if you're back from Easter, I'm so glad that y'all are with us today. If you're watching online, man, I'm pumped that you're here um, with us as well. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2. That's what we'll start out at. And so if you'd like to follow along, um, you can jump into your copy of God's Word in Genesis um, chapter 2 as we start this, this new series that we just kind of had a little short little video um, to, to introduce um, today. And it's called InstaFam, just like we have Instagram, just like we have social media, and we take, we take snapshots of ourselves. Well, over the next several weeks, we're going to take some snapshots of what a faithful family looks like. Because believe it or not, every single one of us has a, has a family. Um, some of us have a nuclear family, and some of us have a non-nuclear family. That doesn't mean we're radioactive. What it means is that we have families that are, a nuclear family is kind of a, a husband and a wife and some kids, and it's kind of the, the typical family, but we understand that that's not the typical thing uh, today in our culture. There's a lot of people that there's just the mom or it's just the dad, or maybe you're, you're living in a foster home or um, you're, you're adopted. There's lots of different, different uh, scenarios. You may be a widow or a widower, and it might be just you, but you are still in a family. Every single one of us has a family um, that we belong to. And here's something else that I think it's something we need to say at the very beginning. Every single one of us has a family that's messed up, you know? Every, every one of us, myself included, my family has got lots of issues. They're all my fault, I understand, but, but we, got, we got issues. Every single one of us has issues, but God has, has a plan um, for us through his word. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about families. And so the question is, who do we start with? What part of the family do we start with? Well, I just wanted to start with the one who has caused all the problems. And it's the dudes, okay? It's the guys. We're going to talk about, talk about it, guys. Guys, uh, it's all about you today. So if you're a female in this room, um, man, just, just follow along. You know, hit, you know, elbow them every once in a while. But this is a message for the men in our lives, the men in this room, the men who are online um, watching right now. And so we titled today's message, Men in the Garden. Men in the Garden. That doesn't sound manly at all. I get it, okay? How many guys like to garden? Anybody? Okay. Your weirdos. I hate gardening. I hate it. I, it's, it's the worst. I, I, I don't know why. I just don't like it. Um, my wife, uh, she tries to include me in the gardening, and um, it just, man, it just doesn't go very good, you know? There's, there's times it just doesn't go very good. The other day, she FaceTimed me. She was at Lowe's, and she was trying to buy some plants, and, and uh, she was, you know, showing me the, the different sizes of the plants and the colors, and I was just like, babe, I don't care. <laughs> just get whatever you want. I don't care. Just tell me where to dig the hole, you know? I'll, I'll dig the hole. I'll help you put it in the ground. I just don't care. All I know is, like, that's a rose bush, and that's about my extent of, of gardening and understanding plants. But every single man in this room is in a garden. In fact, from the very beginning of time, men were found in a garden. Genesis chapter two. Let's look at it here up on the screen or in your copy of God's word in verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the Lord, the Lord God placed the man 
in the Garden of Eden. That's, it was perfect, right? It was this perfect garden. There was nothing wrong with it. And everything was fabulous and awesome. You think total leisure, all that kind of stuff. But what did God call the man to do in a perfect garden? To tend and watch over it. Even without sin in the picture, men were called to cultivate something. And that's what guys are created to do. Guys are created to cultivate, to take the soil intended, to, to plant things in it, to water it, to feed it, to protect it, to provide for it. And hopefully, if all those things work out, that there will be a harvest that comes. That is how we are all created. Now, when I say cultivate, what am I talking about? I'm really talking about working. Guys in this room, we were created from the beginning of time. It's in our DNA that we were created to work. I mean, think about it. We were created to, to build. We were created to, to create, just like God is the creator, and we are in his image. We were created to make things. And we we're also created just like Jesus, who's the great sustainer. We we're created to, to sustain things and protect things and make sure they are safe. That we, that's, that's who we are. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. I mean, think about it, guys. We always love things bigger and better, don't we? You know, we buy big trucks. You know, we, if, we, if, we, uh, if there's snow on the ground, we want to build the biggest snowman in the neighborhood, don't we? That's what we want to do. When it comes to our careers, we want to grow that career or that job and be successful in it. I mean, no guy buys a big truck and then makes it smaller, do they? Like, who would do that? You know, man, that's a nice truck. I'm going to put some tiny tires on that thing. I'm going to bring it down low. Okay, we're not, not going to do that. It's the opposite. No man sees, a snow, sees his own snowman that he's created and says, you know what, that's just too big. Let me take off that bottom section. It needs to be, it needs to be shorter. No guy does that. And no guy intends to kill his business in his career. No one wants to do that. When they do that, they're broken, aren't they? When that happens, when a man is fired from his job, he's a broken individual. Because we're created to cultivate and make things and, and provide for things and grow things. It's what we were created to do, and not just for ourselves, but for our families, you know? Not just for ourselves and not just for our families, but for our communities, and not just for our communities, but even for the church. If you're a part of a church, if you're a part of this church, you were created to help provide and cultivate the culture here at this church. But here's the problem in our society. We got some lazy dudes, okay? They're just some lazy dudes in our culture. And it's actually, it's been in every culture, there's always been lazy guys. In fact, in the book of Proverbs, in the wisdom book of the Bible, here's what it says about lazy guys. It says this in Proverbs chapter 20. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Those who are not willing to put in the work, eventually they're not going to have anything to, to reap, Okay. It's not going to happen for them. It's going to go bad for them. But there are lazy people who decide, you know what? I'm not going to put in the work. I'm just going to push it off. I'm going to push it off. I'm going to push it off. I'm going to push it off. And they become lazy and they become just sedentary. In fact, the great Isaac Newton in his Law of Motion says this, that 
that an object at rest tends to stay at rest. An object in motion tends to continue to be in motion. That's just like a law, some laws of physics right there. But that's so true for guys. If a man continually finds himself not going anywhere, not doing anything, it's hard for him to get going, isn't it? It's hard for him to get going. And there are consequences for dudes that are like this. In fact, a couple chapters later in Proverbs chapter 24, here's a consequence. Here's some consequences. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. And I said, and, and I saw that it was overgrown with, with nettles. Nettles are just like a plant that no one wants in their garden, you know, um, just you can't get rid of them, you know. It was covered with weeds and its walls were broken down. It was in a, there was a bad situation going on. This guy walks up to this vineyard and sees that for the lazy guy, the owner of the vineyard, he could realize just, just based off of what he got to see, maybe he didn't even know the guy, but he said, you know what, that's a lazy dude. It's a lazy guy because I can see the weeds that have grown up. I see the, the devastation in his vineyard because of his work ethic. And then he goes on and says this. Then as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. That's one of the great lessons of life is to learn from the mistakes of other people, okay? So here's what, he, here's what he said. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then two things are going to overtake you. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. And scarcity or lack of resources will attack you like an armed robber. Here's something I've realized. There is nothing more dangerous in our culture than a bored man, than a bored guy, than a man who, who dives into fantasy and not in real life. And we see it all the time. There's guys in our culture that, that love to go paintballing, you know? They're not willing to go to a real battle, are they? You know? They love, love, love doing that kind of thing because there's, there's do-overs in that. There's not real risk in that. There's guys that love fantasy football. But man, they're not willing to work their bodies into a position where they can actually go and play something, you know? There's guys who, who love watching movies. And they've seen every movie that's, that's come out. And it's almost like a badge of honor to, to talk about how many times they've seen that one movie or know all the lines of that movie. But in reality, what's happening is they're, they're living in this fantasy world, this fantasy life, instead of investing in a real life. We do this all the time. That's, that's something our culture continually draws us to, is to be a bored man. And that's a dangerous man. And I don't know if that's you, but sometimes that's me. And if that is you, things have to change. If you want to be who God has called you to be, men in this room, things have to change. And so let me give you a little bit of advice, not my own personal advice, but advice from God's word about how you can fight against this. Here's what you need to do. You need to bury the coward. There's a coward inside all of us. And you gotta bury him. You gotta get rid of him. The Bible talks about this in 2 Timothy it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. God has given us a spirit. Inside of us 
He's given us a spirit of, of self-discipline, a spirit of love, a spirit of power. Those are some manly things. Yet a lot of us, we live without that spirit. We live with this spirit of fear and timidity in our lives. And people are depending on you, men, in this room. Your family's depending on you. Your community is depending on you. Your place of work is depending on you. This church is depending on you. And you have one chance with your life to make an impact. Impact around you, the impact of the people in your life, the impact in your garden. One shot. But too many of us were living with this, this cowardly life. We gotta bury the coward. And so let me show you some ways that you can bury the coward. First, guys, you need to be sacrificial lovers. Sacrificial lovers. That doesn't sound very good. Let me explain, okay? You need to be a sacrificial lover. So for husbands in this room, and in fact, all men, this is talking about how you serve the people who are closest to you. You know what? Jesus modeled it. Look what Ephesians says. Ephesians chapter 5 this is talking about husbands and wives. You've probably heard this verse a lot. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave his life for her. The Bible says, hey, love your spouse. Love the one who God has put in your life. And how do you love him? You love him like Jesus loved his bride, the church. And how does Jesus love his bride, the church? He gave his life. He sacrificed Jesus was a sacrificial lover of us, of the church. And we're supposed to be the same way, guys. We're supposed to sacrifice for our spouses. The problem is, for a lot of us, we're selfish, aren't we? We're selfish in the time we, we give. We want me time, don't we? You know? We all do. Man, I, and I do that too. Come home from a hard day's work and I just want to rest. I want to relax. I need some me time. But my, my kids need me. My spouse needs me. And sometimes we've got to get up off the couch and sacrifice for them. And what happens is that's the, that's the coward dying. It's the coward being cut off. It's you getting up and living the way God created you to live. I'm telling you what, man, it'll, it'll, it'll change your family. It'll change your family if you're a sacrificial lover. Here's another thing you can do. Guys, you need to be the spiritual climate control, Okay. The spiritual climate control. Everybody's got an air conditioner in here, okay? So, so when, when, uh, when it's hot in your house, you turn the thermostat or you go on your phone and change the thermostat um, and, and you, you make it cooler. And when it's cold, it's too cold, you turn the heat on. There's this climate control. And the purpose of the climate control is to put yourself, your family, your home in a situation to thrive, Right? So it's not too cold, it's not too hot, it's just the right, it's just the way that you want it to be. That's the same thing when it comes to men in your garden. You want your, your garden to be cultivated in a, in a way where it can thrive. And here's, here's the deal. The most important aspect of your garden is your spiritual life. And for you men in this room, for men that are watching online, for a lot of us, we abdicate that spiritual responsibility way too often. For fathers in this room, I got a verse for you. In fact, all men, this is, this is a verse about, about giving direction 
to those who are closest to you. Here's what the Bible says. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Here's what this verse is saying. Don't be a jerk. Be a father. Okay? That's what it's saying. Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk to your kids. Don't be a jerk to the people who, are, who you have authority over. Don't be like that. Be a father. Love them. Learn how God is a father who loves you and provides for you and go and do the same thing. Here's the deal. The thing about spiritual things, I think this is the coward inside a lot of us is we're like, I don't know enough. You know, I'm not a theologian. The Bible doesn't want you to be a theologian. God doesn't want you to be a theologian. He just wants you to be there, right? He just wants you to show up and do your best. Here's the deal, guys. You don't have to be a theologian. All you need to do is just love Jesus. Get into his word. Study it. Devote time to it. Meditate on his word. Here's what's going to happen. Your life is going to begin to change. And then you'll be able to invest in other people. You get to be the spiritual thermostat. And here's the deal. It's all on you guys. You're the only one that has the code to the thermostat in your home. I don't. Our kids director doesn't. Our student pastor doesn't. Our church doesn't. A lot of times what happens is like if I can just get them to church, then everything will be fine. Like there's no spiritual stuff going on around my house, but if I can just get them to church, they'll be fine. Why does the American church, why is it populated 60% by women? Why is there more women in church than men? I think it's because there's a lot of guys that aren't taking their kids to church, not taking their family to church. And the spouse, the wife, is to get up, get her kids ready, and go to church. And some people aren't going to like me, but I'll just say this. That man is a coward, a spiritual coward. If they know Jesus, they don't know Jesus, man, I'm praying for them. I'm praying that they come to faith in Christ. But if you're a believer in Christ and you don't lead your family spiritually, you're a coward. And here's the deal. Just confession time. Sometimes I'm a coward. I'm a pastor. And sometimes I don't lead my family spiritually. And it stinks, guys. And you walk home after studying your Bible and writing a sermon or whatever, and you come home, and I know it deep down inside that I'm not being who God created me to be. My wife knows it, my kids know it, and it hurts. But I gotta bury that coward. I gotta get rid of it. Here's one other thing you can do to bury the coward. Guys, be a soldier in waiting. Be a soldier who's ready. So this is for all the, the, the family men in this room. In fact, it's, it's for all of us. All the guys in this room talking about how we protect the people that God has placed inside our garden. I'm sure all of us have been watching the news about Ukraine and all the things that have, that have been happening and going on um, in Ukraine. It's, it's awful. It's terrible. Now, I believe, you know, someday we'll look back and just see the atrocities that went over there and the number of people that have, that have died. And um, that that country is going to take decades for them to recover from this. And it's, I don't know the outcome of this. It's, it's terrible. It's rough. But here's one thing that I have noticed. That millions and millions of people have fled the country. They have they've packed up whatever they could, and they have, they have fled to the West. 
And so they've traveled to Poland and other countries. And you can see this on the news. This is so inspiring that, that a man will take his family and they'll get to the border and they'll kiss their wife and hug their kids and then push them across the border and they turn around and they walk back. What are they doing? They're going to battle, aren't they? That is a brave man. And over and over again, that's one thing I noticed about the Ukrainian men is that they are not cowards. They're fighting for their country. Now, I'm sure there are some men that took their, their families to the border and like, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go with them, right? And they've abdicated the responsibility to be a soldier in waiting. Here's what the Bible says. There's a couple Proverbs that I want us to look at that talk about this. Here's about the lazy guy, okay? The lazy person claims this. Hey, there's a lion out there. I'm scared. And if I go outside, I might be killed, right? And so there's men that are like, I can't take that step. I can't be um, that protector because I am, I'm fearful, and that's why I underline these things. If I go, if I go and I become that spiritual leader, I'm, I'm afraid that this, something might happen to me. If I, if I go and I try to protect my, and stand up for my, my family, I'm afraid of something happening to me. And here's the deal. He says, man, there's, there's a person that says there's a lion out there. But look at this next verse. He said this, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them. There's no lion outside. You just think there is. You're scared. The Bible says the wicked, they run away, no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Here's what these two verses, I believe, are saying. Stop being scared of a fake lion and start being a real lion. That's what the Bible is saying. Men in this room, men online, you are called to be lions and protectors of your family. Now, for you single guys, you young men in this room, this is talking to you as well. Brothers, cousins, grandfathers, uncles, you are called to do the same for the women in your life, to protect them, to provide for them, to care for them. Even for the ones who are your spiritual sisters in this room. You're called to protect them. You're not, that doesn't mean you have authority over them. You have no authority over them. We're created equal, but you have a responsibility to them. You have a responsibility to every single woman in your life. And so here's the deal. Guys, men in this room, I need you. I need you to help me protect my wife and my daughter, right? And here's the deal. I want to do the same for you. I want to protect your spouse and your daughters. We do this together. It is our calling to be men who are lions, who aren't scared to stand up, who aren't scared to be beat up. I'm not talking about just being physically beat up. I'm talking about sometimes we're verbally, emotionally beat up. We gotta do that. We gotta step into the gap because God has called us to do that. That's what we're supposed to do. We gotta cultivate your garden, guys. You got kids, you got a, or anyone that's, that, that you have influence with, you've got to cultivate that garden. You gotta, you gotta nourish it. You gotta provide for them. And you create a garden so they can flourish and be everything that God created them to be. Just like a plant would. You create that and you let it grow. You let God grow it. But you're called to cultivate that garden. For men who have spouses in this room, you're called to cultivate that as well, that relationship. 
for those who you're devoted to. You're called to cultivate that relationship. Those who you love intimately, you're called to cultivate that relationship. And here's what this looks like. You provide a space for your spouse to be who God created her to be. Now, there's nothing more beautiful than a woman who's willing to sing and dance at home, right? Who, who can, with joy, because of the relationship, because of the environment that has been created, that she can be who God has created her to be without fear. You know? That's what we're called to do as men. And here's the deal. It's not going to be easy, guys. It's going to stink sometimes. And you know what I'm talking about. It's not, it's not going to be easy because there is sin, there's problems in our world, and things don't always go according to plan. Look at the very beginning. We talked about Genesis 2. Look at Genesis chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife. Okay, we're not going to get into that part, okay? We're not going to talk about, about all that, okay? Whew, okay. All right, so um, that'll be in a couple weeks. Never mind. Um, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to. You know what this is actually saying? He's saying, guys, because you did not lead. Sin entered the world. You did not spiritually lead. Sin entered the world. You didn't tend your garden. It says this, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life, you will struggle. You'll struggle to, to scratch a living from it. And it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. It's not going to be easy. Life is going to be difficult. But when you decide to be a godly man... Here's my encouragement to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Here's some things we shouldn't be afraid of. Don't be afraid to enter the fray. So what is the fray? The fray is difficult situations that we tend to run away from. You know, Jesus, he led his followers into the fray, into difficult situations. But you know what? You know who was, in, who was leading the way? Jesus. You know where the fray is? The fray is at the front. And men in this room, that's what we're called to do is to enter difficult situations where we are leading and protecting and providing for the people that we love. But here's what a coward does. Metaphorically, a coward takes the keys out of the pocket, hands the car keys to the spouse, and goes and gets in the back seat. Here's the deal. There's some dudes in this room that probably should not be driving, okay? All right? I'm not saying that, you know, when you go home, you're like, hey, you know, pastor said you can't drive anymore. No, that's not what I'm saying. Metaphorically, we should all be leaders, men, who take that, those car keys, open the door for their spouse, start the engine, and say, babe, where do you want to go? Family, where do you want to go? I'm going to lead you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect for protect you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you. And here's the deal. We got to be okay with going into difficult situations. Life is not going to be easy. There's going to be some difficult times ahead. It's not going to be uh, fair, okay? It's not going to go right every time, but we have to be willing to be brave men who lead, who lead. I'm not saying that women are inferior. That's not what I'm saying at all. Like I said earlier, we're, we're created equal, but we're created different. Don't be afraid to enter the fray. Also this, don't be afraid to fall. Don't be afraid to fall. We can't be afraid to do that. What does that look like to fall? Hmm. You know, 
Genesis chapter 3, thorns came up. Was that Adam's plan? Say, like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tend this garden. I'm just going to get some weeds going and some thorns. It's going to be fabulous and awesome. No, he didn't do that. He didn't want that. But it happened. It happens. Your kid grows up and rebels. What do you do? Like, you're like, I did everything I could, Clayton. I tried. I mean, I tried to cultivate that ground. I tried to provide. I brought them to church. I did all the things, and my, my kids still rebelled from me and even from the Lord. So I'm scared to try that again. I'm scared of falling. My spouse, I, I tried to love her like Christ loves the church, and she still ran away, or she still um, is against me. I've tried everything that I could do. I've tried to provide for my family the best way I know how, and my career has fallen apart. There's these thorns that have grown up, but we can't be afraid to fall. You have to lead without fear, and it may go bad, but the ultimate fall is not you actually falling, it's you not getting up, it's you not trying your best, even in the middle of a fallen world. We can't be afraid to do that. Here's the other thing we can't be afraid of. You can't be afraid of failure. You know what? Every single guy in this room has a past, don't we? <laughs> we have a past. We have a spiritual past. We have a relational past. We have a physical past. And it, it affects us today. But we can't be afraid of failure. You know what we're supposed to be doing? Continually being sanctified. Okay, so in, in church world, there's like these two words, justification and sanctification. All right, big churchy words. Justification, that's what Jesus does on our behalf. When he died on the cross, when he rose from the grave, he takes our place, he justifies us. And as you believe in Christ and you spend the rest of your life following after him, God wants you to be sanctified, which is to continually growing and be closer and closer to him, going from a place of failure to a place of triumph, to a place of of bad decisions and a past that maybe defines you to having freedom. That's what, that's what God wants from you. And honestly, that, that is the mark of a true man, when you own your mess-ups and you change. And so if you've got issues in your past, like all of us have issues in your past, here's what you do. You confess it. You turn from those things, and you move on. We can't be afraid of our failures. It can't be what keeps us from being who God has called us to be. Because here's the deal, guys. Every man in this room has a garden. Every man in this room is called to cultivate it. And my question for you today is, what are you cultivating? Are you cultivating weeds? Are you cultivating thorns on purpose? Or by not doing anything, by being lazy? By being a coward in situations? Or are you cultivating fruit? And my prayer for you is that you would bear fruit. God's prayer for you is that you would grow fruit. We need men. We need more men in this culture. We need more godly men in this culture. We need more men here in this church. God, God needs more men in the home, in the community, and in the church. That's what he needs. That's what he wants. That's what he wants for you. You have, you have a role to play. This is my shameless plug for the church here. We need more men to be men in this church. In fact, the shameless plug is this. I need you to come back to our business meeting tonight. Because here's the deal. God is, and that sounds terrible, but here's the deal. God is up to something 
incredible here at this church. And it involves men leading this, this effort. There are things happening. You've seen things behind the scenes. You've been a part of our leadership meetings. Stuff is happening, and I'm pumped about it. I'm a little scared about it because out it's out of my control. Like God's in control. I've got to trust him. But we need more men in this room. We need more men to, to get up off the couch spiritually and get to work. We need more men to rise up and take that hill. Because God is calling our church to do something really special. You need to be a part of it. But here's the deal, you're not alone. You're not alone. Let me end with this, this last proverb. Proverbs chapter 24 says this, a house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Okay, that makes, that's good. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. That's awesome. That's how we want our homes to be, right? We want our, our church home to be that way as well. The wise are mightier than the strong, and those with knowledge, they grow stronger and stronger. And he says this, so don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. What is that saying? It's saying the solo act is not the call of a Christian man. We're not just supposed to do this alone. We're not supposed to do this in isolation. We need each other. My call as your pastor is this. We need more men to step up and lead and be who God has called you to be. You have a garden. The church has a garden. Let's grow it together. Let's tend it together. Let's be the leaders that God has called us to be. So let me ask, I'm gonna ask you to do this. If you're a man in this room, you say, you know what? I have not been the man I need to be. I'm gonna ask you to stand up here in just a second. You say, you know what? I want to be different. I want to be a better cultivator of my garden. If you're a woman in this room and you have a man in your life and you say, what? you know what? I need them to be that way as well. I need them to, be, to lead us spiritually. I need them to provide for us. I need them to be a dad and a husband. If you need them to be that, I'm going to ask you to stand up here in just a second as well. And if you're, if you're a young person in this room and you've got, you've, got, you've got a dad in your life or an uncle or a grandparent or you've got a brother in your life, girls, you say, you know what? I need them to provide for me. I need them to take care of me. I need them to, to be men, strong lions in my life. I'm going to ask you to stand up as well. And if you're, if you're a young guy in this room, man, if you can take anything away from this, say this. Grow up to be a man of God. Not be a lazy coward that the world says this is the way you should go. But to be a man that models his life after Jesus. And he was not a coward. He loved people sacrificially. He's willing to go to, to battle for people. He provided for them. We need more people like that. So here's the deal. If you're in this room, if you're online, you say, you know what? That's me. I'm a man. It's like that, I, that, that I've, I've messed up some. I'm, 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 I'm a, a woman in this room. I've got a family. I've got a guy that I need him to, I want to encourage him. I want, I want him to, to know that I've, I'm next to him. If you're a young person in this room and you, you, you're like, I want to I need that in my life or I want to be that in my life, here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to stand up right now because I want to pray for you. Here's the deal. I need to stand up because I have not been the man that God has called me to be. If you're, if you're that way, why don't you stand up right now in this room? Okay? If you're men, if, you, if, you got, if, you're, if you're a spouse of a man, you say, well, I, I need him. I need him in my life. I need him to provide for me. Man, I want, you, I want, I want, I want to pray for you right now. 
Here's the deal. As your pastor, I'll just confess, I'm the worst sometimes, you know? Man, screw up all the time. I can have victory after victory here on this campus, leading and preparing, and then I go home and I just screw it up. I need help. And I think there's a lot of us that are the same way. Let me pray for you right now. God, uh, first off, I just want to confess on behalf of all the men in this room, we have not been who you've called us to be. We try. And sometimes it's like thorns just grow up. And sometimes we, we let culture speak more into our life than God's word speaking into our life. And if we're honest, we're cowards. And if we're honest, sometimes we're selfish and we're lazy. And I'm one of those. So God, we need your help to be men of courage. Men who are committed. Men who are willing to do the difficult things to provide and cultivate the garden that you have called us to. It is the call of our lives. It's no one's responsibility but our own. Help us to be lions. Help us to be like Jesus. And I pray for the women in this room who need that as well. They need men to be men. I pray that you encourage them. I, I pray that you help them supernaturally to be an encouragement to their spouse. Encouragement to their brother. Encouragement to their son. Encouragement to their dad. To not beat them down when, when we mess up, but to support. And to walk side by side. I pray for the young people in this room who are trying to figure out what a godly man looks like. <laughs> Whether it's a girl or a boy who's looking for that in their lives. They're wanting to be that in their lives. I pray that we would be able to model what that looks like. That I'd be able to model that for, for my kids. And every man in this room would be able to do the same thing. God, we're standing right now because we're asking for your help. So God, please speak into our hearts. Help us not to forget what we heard today from your word. And may it change us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.